Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. another podcasting week another amazing guest (laughs) welcome welcome Anna Verzoni we connected in the interwebs which is the miracle of the day and age we live in now I've been finding yeah I've been like literally my self-coaching this morning was just like awe like I kept landing in this feeling of awe that like we live in this Mm -hmm. time in this place and we get to do these kinds of things lives yes right amazing yeah it's really I mean even when the shit hits the fan it's totally amazing that we're alive right now amen yeah (laughs) so that is how we found each other we are now in a, a coaching program together and there's a million connections all over the place but I've been looking forward to having Anna as a guest because she just is like fun and wise and centered. And I think everything you do will add to this, this collection of work in this podcast. Um, but I'm particularly interested in um, hearing your perspective on, you know, your podcast is called like the rebel Buddhist, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> and this just delights me, the rebel Buddhist. So I do want to talk about, um, how do we have conversations around Buddhism and rebellion and abortion? Um, but first, I want to let you introduce yourself the way that feels right to you for today, for whoever's listening. So we'll start there. Just tell everybody who you are. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Amanda. I just want to thank you for doing this work. I think it's so important. I wish I had resources like this when I was a teenager going through a lot of these things that I'm sure a lot of your listeners go through. So I am a, I refer to myself as a freedom coach and a soul Mm. midwife. My coaching has sort of evolved over the years. Like when I was in my thirties, it was more like stick it to the man and let's live out of a van and just like (laughs) fuck it all. Right. And then, um, then in my forties, I I still am there, but we go like deeper layers. So I'm really, um, working with altered states of consciousness with my clients Mm. and combining adventure and, um, mindfulness practice with that radical mindfulness as I like to call it. And yeah, I'm the host of the rebel Buddhist podcast, which I started, because I've been practicing Buddhism and meditation now since like 1993. And I feel like um, in my own practice and what I've witnessed over the years, like people can forget that Buddhism started with a radical rebellious dude that went um, out of the societal norms and found Mm -hmm. his own path. And that is really... um, what it's about to me, the spiritual path is really about like finding your own path Mm. and learning from those that came before you, just like, like Siddhartha did learning from other teachers and then defining his own freedom. And so, 
you know, in my coaching, that's what I like to help my clients do too, is really defining their own freedom, living this life authentically and, and with integrity. Yeah. 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 I think, um, for a lot of the audience, abortion is this very intuitive knowing spiritual decision. And even when it doesn't make sense, like logically or societally or religiously, it's this knowing that this is what I'm supposed to do and I'm going to follow that. And then for a lot of audience, that is not the case at all. It's like, I was forced into this. I had no choice. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's so many places we come to, but I do believe that no matter how you come to your abortions, um, they can become like, you can create that path, right? Like, Mm -hmm. even if it's a decision you made 30 years ago, like you can sort of, yeah, like re-sculpt it, retell it, like redefine it as a piece of you finding your path. Yeah. You know, um, being a classic multi-passionate, I've also been a midwife, um, for many, many years and delivered over a thousand babies and caught a thousand babies is more how we like to say it. (laughs) And, um, I just remember, you know, when I'm doing the intake, um, people are really nervous about putting that they had an abortion on their medical history, afraid of being judged. So whenever, people, I would, I would often see that area blank and I'd say, have you ever been pregnant? Well, yes. And you know, any living kids know, or just like, you know, fewer than how many pregnancies. And I'd say, oh, were those spontaneous losses or was it therapeutic abortion? And, and when they finally would talk about it, I would say like, and what have you done for processing that? Mm. Like, cause often when we make the decision, we're in like, fight or flight and like really stressed out. And like, have you done ceremony? Have you had a ritual? So this is why I love the work you do because now I can send them your way. (laughs) (laughs) And, and it's like, every woman is like, no one has ever talked to me about that. Yeah. Right. No one's ever mentioned it that way or discussed it that way, especially when they're pregnant. Like so many women have a fear, like, will something happen to me in this pregnancy because I had an abortion yes. or something go wrong in this delivery because I've asked me how I know I've been there. And so, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. totally agree with what you're saying. I, I remember the first time I had to, had to, the first time I was filling out that form after mm-hmm. my abortion. And I was like, Oh, fuck now I got to be the one who checks that box. Mm-hmm. I remember it being a very definitive moment. Part of it was like, who am I now that I'm checking that box? Like, what does this mean about me? But most of it was who's going to see it and what are they going to think? Like, is the nurse going to see it? Is the intake mm-hmm. person going to see it? Is the doctor going to see it? Like, for me personally, I remember filling that out was just like so much fear of judgment yeah, and not wanting to explain myself. Like I didn't want to have to explain myself. I think we could do a whole podcast about the checking of those boxes. <laughs> yeah. Let's do that. Let's schedule that in the future. <laughs> um, but it all comes down to the same things, which is just like, having 
I mean, this is so much of my work is just like having curiosity about those moments. Like what, Mm -hmm. like you said, no, I created this work because there was no one having those conversations with me. Like, I also felt like I had this transformative experience and now it was reduced down to checking a box. Like Mm, there was no space to talk about the transformation of it, the becoming of it, the awakening in it, Mm. the pain in it. Like if I check that box, it does not tell the story. And because there was nowhere else to tell the story, it was this very like weird experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when I, so I had an abortion when I was 16, I was in love. It was wonderful boyfriend. We were using condoms being very intentional. Um, and the condom broke. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had tried to do everything right. And, um, and then my abortion was later than I wanted it to, because I had to lie and skip school. And then I would spend five hours at a waiting room and then they'd tell me I was in the wrong building and then I'd have to start all over again. I mean, it was really, Oh, one of the most stressful times in my life mm. for sure. And then, and at the time I hadn't been practicing Buddhism yet. I discovered Buddhism when I went off to college and um, was having panic attacks and trying to learn how to meditate. Um, but I was raised really strictly Catholic. My mom's Filipino, mm. you know, the Philippines, they like have volunteers who nail themselves to a cross on Easter. Like it's full on. We said the rosary every night and it was pretty clear what the Catholics thought about abortion. So I didn't feel like I could talk to my mom. She could tell I was hiding stuff and was raging at me because of it, but I still couldn't tell her. At least that's what I felt. And um, so I basically did what I had to do kind of put it behind me and was like, I'm glad I got through that. And basically kind of quote unquote justified uh, anything and any decisions based on like a notion of like, oh, this, this is not a developed baby yet or something. Right. Then I realized, you know, when I was about 18, 19, I was, I was like, I have never process this. And then as I started meditating and studying Buddhism and, you know, there's the whole, you know, in many spiritual traditions, there's thou shalt not kill. And I was like, so wow, what, what does this mean about me? Yeah, You know? And I, um, I did a lot of soul searching and I decided, you know, I was making this not a life because I had to feel safe about my decision. And then something really beautiful and hard and tender happened. And I talked to one of my Buddhist teachers about it. And I just said, you know, yeah, that was a life. Like, Mm -hmm. and I still have compassion for myself. And I still think I would have made the same decision. And I still grieve, but now I had the space to Mm -hmm. give it the ceremony and the 
the respect and the time and the energy and the processing that I didn't take the time. So I just want to interject here. This is my experience. I'm not saying, you know, uh, how you should view it, but this, this is my experience and how it helped me and what my experience was with my Buddhist teachers. Somebody else may have a different experience with a different Buddhist teacher, Yeah, but you know, um, I, in Buddhism, there's a big concept of self-compassion and we look at, you know, mindfulness, which is not checking out. It's being super present with what actually is. And for me, that was becoming super present was I had to make a decision to end this life because of very important decisions. Like I was in the hood. I grew up in what many people would refer to as the ghetto now, right? Like violent neighborhood. I couldn't go out and get the mail like because of drive-by shootings. I wasn't allowed to play in the front yard at 4th of July. In New Year's people died in my neighborhood because everybody shot guns in the air and bullets would come down and land on people. I mean, crack dealers jumping on our cars. My mom drove me to school. Like I was my family's ticket out. Um, mm-hmm. And I knew that if I didn't go to college and do what I had to do, that I, I, I don't know if we would have ever gotten out of that situation. And those were my reasons. Um, and I knew I wanted to do a lot. And I was scared that I wouldn't have the support if I chose not to, to still do those things. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, when I sort of acknowledge that I made a hard decision, that I was sad about that decision. Oh, like it brings me to tears even now, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then, so having mindfulness and then having kindness towards ourselves, like part of the self-compassion practice, having kindness towards ourselves and saying kind things to ourselves. And how would we speak to a friend? but also the common humanity, like seeing where so many women in the world have had to make this decision, just like I did, like not to belittle my experience, but to really like, I am not alone. This is part of the human experience. Yeah. 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 And then like, like my Buddhist teachers weren't like, Oh no, like there's no you in the ultimate reality. There's no baby in ultimate reality, like an ultimate reality. None of us exist. And we're actually all one. There was not any of that, like spiritual bypassing going on, um, which I think a lot of people can fall into, but it was like, yeah, that happened. And you're not a bad person. Like, so to me, that was the difference between my experience wanting to put it in my spiritual context as a 16 year old feeling a lot of judgment and fear and then bringing it into Buddhism and being told like, yeah, okay. So you did that and you're not a bad person. And so now what are we going to do? So to kind of make amends, Mm -hmm. right. And that involved ritual, um, it involved really understanding, you know, how can I prevent myself from having to make that decision again? 
And then how can I give back to the world in a way that helps Mm. other women? And so, you know, as a midwife and even before that, as a family nurse practitioner, like, let's talk about sex. Let's give people birth control. Let's do all the things that we can so that, and not with make people have pap smears. Remember that like used to have to get a pap smear to get birth control, even though you were like 15 or something. It was like absurd. And, um, and just really opening access that way so that women didn't have, ideally didn't have to make that decision. Right. Because I have never met a woman who has made that decision for whom it was painful. And I think there's a misconception that people use it as a form of birth control or that, oh, it's just no big deal. It's like, it's a big freaking deal. And if it's not, there's usually some mental illness going on <laughs> from, from, from what I've seen. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I mean, in my work, people who come to me, it's deeply complex and nuanced and many layered, and it is a big deal. That's why they're here. That's why they find me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't mean big deal. Like you're traumatized and it's messing you up and, and all that. I mean, big deal in that. It's not like you just were like, oh, I'm going to do this and then move on. I mean, it's like more complex than that. Exactly. How yeah, yeah. That? yeah. Yeah. I think there's, there's, oh, I have so many questions for you. Okay. And just so you know, like this podcast doesn't need answers. So we just have discussions. We might not get to like clarity around anything. So that's oh, my, good. Because I'm so unclear. <laughs> that's sort of my <laughs> life motto is that we're all about exploring, but it's not like we're going to get to an answer. It's not, mm-hmm. be, and the answer is going to be different for every listener. Absolutely. Um, but it, I do think it's interesting, this idea of, you know, like, ideally we want to get to the place where we don't have to make these decisions, but in both of our cases, like what more could we have done? I mean, we were using birth control and it didn't work. So like, everything, there was no ideal. Like we couldn't have made it more ideal. Like, could I have used seven forms of birth control? Okay. Maybe, (laughs) but like, is the way to ideally not get in a car accident to not drive, not drive. Right. Like, it's like kind of like a messy thing to even look at. Like, yes, I do agree that there's so much work we can do around preventing unplanned pregnancies but at the same time like they're just gonna happen like it's we're never gonna get to the point where we don't need abortion like there is no ideal absolute formula (laughs) to avoid this no and you know that's more just from like where I arrived at that age like what can I do right yeah and so for me that felt like okay well this is my area of expertise. Like this is where I can make a difference. And I think, I think in the bigger picture, exactly. I I think that that's how my teachers saw me like, and this is going to happen. Like they, they say like, we see like you try it and like, it still happened. And like, so then what are we going to do with that? What story are we now going to create from that? Right? Like, how does that shape you going forward yes. when we let it, when, when we stop making it that thing I did and check the box to like, 
and how does it form my story? Now, this may be a little radical, but I tell my daughter that she has a brother and mm. I, I, I have mm-hmm. one kid. Yeah. And yeah. And I, I picked a star. So like part of my ritual was like, I want to pick something that I see regularly that makes me think of him. Mm. Um, and cause I felt it was a boy. And so I picked a star in Orion. And so I say his name was Orion and yeah, yeah, mommy yeah, had yeah. to make some decisions when she was younger and he's not here, but I always asked that he come back. And I don't know if you're his energy, like coming back, but cause she feels alone sometimes. Yeah, and I just yeah. say, you have this other being there out there somewhere, like you you're connected somehow. And she talks about it like at school and like, she'll like, like we'll be at dinner and she'll be like, so I have a brother, but he's not here. He died. And like, and like, you know, in her seven-year-old way. And as she gets older, I tell a little more of the story. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, it's been interesting to me. It's total experiment. I haven't heard of anybody else doing that, but, um, well, you just met someone else. (laughs) Oh, really? This is what, this is how it is in our family. So (gasps) it was baby grace. They all know about her. Oh my gosh. We had a dinner. Yeah. Yeah. We all talk about her. Um, we had a dinner once where it was a holiday, some kind of holiday dinner. And my middle child who's turning 15 next week said, this was a couple of years ago. She said, I feel like someone's missing. And I was like, she is missing, but she's here. Like we, you know, we just talk about it. Um, my kids are all different ages. They're now 17, 15 and eight. So it's different conversations with each of them. But I actually have found, you know, you say, well, this is radical and I'm the only one who does it, but you're totally not by the way. And oh my gosh, I love hearing <laughs> that warms my heart so yeah. much. Yeah. Actually, I find in my work with clients, the people who and you know, I hesitate to say it because what do I know? But what I have observed is the people who have the most transformational experiences have some kind of spiritual connection to the pregnancy. Whether they've named it or they connect with it or they feel like it is a part of their family, I do feel like the greatest transformation and the most empowerment comes when people make some kind of spiritual connection. Now I tell my audience all the time, I tell my clients all the time, actually I have a segment every Sunday called Dear Babies. And I have a note like to the babies from us. And one of my clients messaged me this week and she's like, where's dear babies? Like there was no dear babies. I was like, I know I thought about it, but like nothing came. And I said to her, like, maybe Grace was taking the day off. I don't know. Maybe she was on another mission. Um, So all of my audience knows that the spirit of that pregnancy is this work. The spirit of that pregnancy is in my family, has a name, is, I don't know that it was a she, but in my mind, she is grace. So there you go. You are so not alone. (laughs) Yeah. Like when I talk to people in my own circle and tell them this, they're kind of like, 
and then no words come out. (laughs) So it's so great to me to hear that you do that and that you know others. And this is fabulous. I think it's so important. And it's that common humanity element too, right? Of the self-compassion practice in Buddhism that, that I think about as well. It's like, um, yeah, acknowledging that and sharing that with other women. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something very special that can happen when we make those connections. I also think there's nothing wrong with being like, it was a ball of tissue and totally, I got it out of my body. We yeah, all just do exactly. what we need to do, what feels right to us. I probably see the most transformation in spiritual connections because it's my story. And so people gravitate to me who have that desire. Right, right. There's a whole group of people who don't resonate with this at all and already stopped listening to the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with not calling it a baby, not calling it a spirit, calling it for what it is, which is just tissue that can or cannot become human life um yeah we get to that yeah yeah Yeah. that because that's when my transformation began yeah like I mean you and I both have had our certain different trainings and whatnot and you know even in different spiritual traditions and especially in Buddhism like like what is true what is like we decide what's true. We decide what to believe and what, I mean, ultimately, and then, um, what served me best when I was 16 tissue. And that was true. Yes, exactly. It was true. It was my belief and it served me well. And then later, okay, that's doesn't seem to be serving me any longer. What is true now? What is true for me? This and I now I'm ready to open to this and what is available for me here and how can, yeah. does this serve me best? And it does, and it has ever since. And so absolutely. Yeah. And nothing has gone wrong when truth evolves, when truth. Absolutely. It doesn't mean shape. that the other thing was not true. It's exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. Okay. That leads me to one of the other questions I had for you, which is sort of just like a a question that probably doesn't have an answer is what is, how do we define kill? Like, because, you know, you said most spiritual traditions, religious traditions have this element of thou shalt not kill. What is kill? And had you chosen to keep that baby when you knew it wasn't in the best interest of your future or your family's future, wouldn't you have also been killing that version of yourself, that dream you had, that possibility? Like how in Buddhist, in your rebel Buddhist world, do we talk about what killing is? <laughs> like, Yeah, I think, you know, in the Buddhist context, it's, well, I can choose to kill my own dreams and things, but I don't, quote unquote, uh, ideally, I'm not making that decision of existence for other beings, right? Um, and so that's where I think the the definition comes from in that sense. It's like, 
Like if you look at Buddhist, you know, okay, we don't want to kill the spider. Let's just put the spider outside because that spider, just like you wants to live. It, 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 it is biologically driven to live. It has a desire to live. It runs from you. If you try to catch it, like it gets scared, like all of these things, right. Uh, in, in that tradition. And so um, how do you, how do we know that in that tradition? Isn't that just our ego human brain assuming that that's true? How do we know the spider isn't like, I'm done. I'm walking under this foot. <laughs> like, I mean, well, like, that's the, I think, ultimate reality and relative reality. So in Buddhism, when you're fully enlightened, you have one foot in relative reality and one foot in ultimate reality. And ultimate okay. reality is we're all connected. Everything happens for a reason. There is no suffering. There is no life. There is no death. There is no you. We are all one. And there's also a foot in relative reality where when someone else isn't also enlightened and able to step into ultimate reality, they do experience very real fear, very real pain, very real whatever, suffering. Um, so both realities can exist. There's not this like, it's either this or that. It's like, yeah, these two realities exist simultaneously. And we can spiritually bypass if we run to, well, everything. I mean, people do this all the time within Buddhism with racism. They're like, well, aren't we all one? And why are we like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, isn't it all meant to be? And it's all going to be okay in the end anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do we know? And then there's relative realities like, and we are human beings in a body on this planet, and people are clearly crying and running and being afraid yeah. and, and in pain. So it doesn't dismiss the possibility because we don't know right? As you said, it doesn't dismiss the possibility, but there's also just, and based on what I'm seeing, this animal isn't that stoked on that idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then even if you look at, I don't know, I'm reading braiding sweetgrass right now and there's the honorable hunt, I think it's called our honorable harvest chapter that I remember. And they talk about how, like, you don't shoot a deer that's running you don't shoot a deer that's um, afraid. There's a moment in the honorable hunt where a deer presents mm. itself and it's almost like it looks you in the eye. Yeah. And that's an honorable kill. Mm. Like that's in their spirituality that I am just talking about from reading a chapter, but like, you know, in that spirituality, there's just, that's how you know the difference between an honorable hunt and not. And so there, we don't know, but, um, and I think it's, there's a loaded, there's a lot of loaded energy behind the word, word kill, right? Um, and, you know, one of my big uh, interests in Buddhism is also just confronting our own mortality and our own death and what does it mean for me to be attached to life or not and living or not? And how does that fit into the bigger context? So I think there's a lot of rich discussion there for sure. But I, I know you said there's no answer. So maybe that sort of clarifies. Yeah, I don't know. Out. And maybe my question about 
how do we not know the spiders running under our foot? Um, maybe that's relative because part of my healing after abortion was stepping into this belief that that soul knew she wasn't coming to human form. I yeah. decided that I liked this belief system in which she was trying on the waters of physical reality that she came knowing she wasn't coming and that that was part of her journey and that that was very divinely laid out that I would have this experience that I would welcome her but not and do this work so yeah 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 no I will go whether that's true or not we have we'll never know (laughs) but it makes me feel good and it allows me to be where I am today which seems to be helpful in the world so doesn't matter what's true I guess in the end (laughs) yeah and I think um yeah I think I don't think they're mutually exclusive I think we can still feel like the word like ending a life doesn't mean also that it wasn't quote unquote supposed to happen. We don't know that truth if we're going to look at it that way. Um, So it's like, for me, I feel that too, like that was supposed to happen. Um, And when I made the decision, I wasn't coming from that place. Um, So if I'm looking at where my consciousness was at the time, uh, it wasn't that evolved yet. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, um, you know, in Buddhism, intention is a big part of things. Like you can get in a car accident by accident, or you can, you know, be angry and hit someone. Yeah. Um, and the, the intention is important, even though the, con- the end result is the same. And so, um, but even, even at 16, there was absolutely an element of spiritual connection. I just pushed it away. Yeah. Cause it was, well, wasn't the intention at 16 self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just maybe preservation in general of yeah. my and future of my. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. That was one of my questions. Another question that I feel like I won't feel good unless I go back to is (laughs) (laughs) another one that doesn't really have an answer, but you said something about making amends. Mm -hmm. And that to me aligns with a similar discussion around forgiveness. And there's this kind of like mystery to me of like making amends for what like forgiveness of what like is there really something to forgive do we really need to amend anything and yeah I'm just curious if you have any more thoughts on that I I don't think there is an answer and I think the answer is wherever we want to land and whatever feels like our truth but if you have more words about that I'm curious yeah absolutely So again, I think this is the ultimate reality versus relative reality discussion. It's like, ultimately, is there anything to quote unquote forgive? And and, and I think forgive, I don't put that in there. 
Like I don't include forgiveness. I think making amends is not so much about you did something wrong and say 10 Hail Marys type thing, right? (laughs) But like, I did something that was hard for me and that I, at, I, I, at the time wished I didn't have to do. Yeah. And, um, that was where I was at. And, um, like, I really didn't want to have to do that. And, um, but I looked at the big picture and saw what would happen very likely happen if I didn't. And I wanted to take care of my family that were there and that had given me so much. And I was the only child. It was all up to me. And I had this future that they had worked so hard for, for me to have. And, um, and it's not so much like anything wrong when I say make amends, it's like, what is the ceremony that can close this? Mm-hmm. that can heal the pain, acknowledge, like, like, you know, part of my ceremony wasn't like, oh, and I know that you knew you were going to go anyway. Like I, I was just like, I'm so sorry if you really wanted to be here. And I made that decision, <laughs> like at the time, yeah. that's where my mindset was. Right. Um, and so for me, where I was at the time was, I don't know, I don't know if they wanted to be here or not. I don't know. Like, and so it was just sort of like really letting myself grieve, letting myself say, I'm sorry. I don't know what you wanted, but this is why this happened. And I know you, and part of Buddhism is like, and I know your energy is still here and you're going to go do something else. Yeah. And, and, and you are welcome to come back to me if it seems right. Yeah. Like, that's what the making amends was not so much like judgment that something was wrong, but more like we have an internal judgment on some level when we need to make amends. If, if you don't have internal judgment or a battle about it internally, then yeah, no need. But, but in the moment, you know, like we were talking about our truths evolving, you know, yeah. Yeah. In that moment, it felt like this was important and it was a big part of my healing at, at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And I have had, and still have all those conversations you talked about, even though I said, Mm -hmm. you know, I do believe that, that, that soul, that being, that energy was not meant to come in. I, I am open to the fact that maybe they were, maybe they were begging to come in. And I was like, nope. (laughs) So I've had all those same conversations too. I think what I heard when you were talking about it is like the way I've gone on and done work around this feels similar in that like I want to turn this into something versus I should turn this into something or I have to. Yeah, yeah. And I still check in with myself like do I want to be doing this work or do I feel like I have to do this work to make up for the fact that I said no to that baby like and I do that check-in fairly regularly and my work Mm -hmm. 
is so want driven. It's so purpose driven. But I think that's a way to know the difference for a listener in their own body is like, do I want to create something from this experience, from this darkness, from this pain, from this, whatever it feels like to you? Or do I feel like I should to make up for it? Yeah. Yeah. And I really think a big part of why I went through that experience was as a midwife and as a healthcare Mm -hmm. provider for over a decade, I could create a container to talk about it, to encourage ritual, to encourage a closing. Like I helped thousands of women have a different discussion about it. And maybe that's why. And Mm -hmm. there's other reasons why, but I think to your point, like, I mean, I, I believe that every messed up thing that's happened to me in the sense of like cancer or being abused by my mom and every challenging thing, like having an abortion and having all kinds of things in my life be challenging. I mean, I'm a better coach right now because of it. Right. Like I am, I'm real. I like can hold that space. People feel comfortable bringing it all up. I think it's evidence. Like I have had, um, Latter-day Saints clients and I've had professional call girl clients. Like I have had the gamut (laughs) and they go on the same damn retreat together (laughs) and they love each other. And, and, And so it's like, wow, like what are we going to do with this experience and how can it transform? Absolutely. With any challenging situation. Right. And, um, yeah, I do think my abortion opened up my ability to hold a much wider space. Like I can just be open and ready to receive and process and look at like just a vastly wider perspective of life. Yeah, for sure. And you ask, makes you ask really profound questions like on, on the journey. So Mm -hmm. good. Mm-hmm. So good. Oh my goodness. We've been talking for a long time. <laughs> we should wrap up. As we knew we would. <laughs> As we knew we would. Is there anything you feel like is left unsaid um, or someone wants to hear and needs to come through your mouth? <laughs> wow. <clears throat> I think we've, we've covered a lot of important ground. I think, you know, kind of what I was saying earlier with, with my own reflections on my own life, my mm-hmm. own mortality, not knowing when I'll, um, how much longer I have on this planet. I have learned to like use that as a positive force of urgency, not in a fearful urgency, but like let's not put shit off anymore. Like, (laughs) like let's do this work. Like in the context of the space that you're holding, it's like, yeah, now's the time to do this work so that like when we do die, there's no regrets. Like, oh, I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that. Like, 
And again, I just want to emphasize not from a scary place, but from a like really beautiful appreciation of our impermanence yeah, of the temporariness of this life and the awe. I love how you opened this episode with awe. It's like, I look out and it's like, oh my gosh, like I can feel the snow on my face or I can like touch my daughter and feel the warmth on her skin. And just like this awe of being alive and like, let's heal this now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, So good. Well, I can't believe you said the word urgency because I had two sort of like, I was self-coaching this morning and I came to this place of awe. And then I was being coached this morning and I had this really beautiful aha moment around urgency because I think she asked me like how would you know it's enough and I came to this place where I was like like how am I going to know what amount of content I put out in the world or difference I make is enough and I thought the word urgency came up and I thought if it comes to me with clarity and urgency and not in like a scary way, just like you're saying, (laughs) if it comes to me with clarity and urgency and I follow that intuition and do it or say it or create it, it's enough. That's it. I'm going to use this urgency guide from now on. And I know that feeling like a million times over, like when it's important and it needs to be done, it feels urgent in this very wholesome way. Not in this like icky have to way. It's like beautiful urgency. Yeah. Cool. I love that. That's where we landed. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I have to say one more thing. Yeah. Because of course you inspired me. Like from the rebel Buddhist um, kind of aspect, I just wanted to reiterate because you, you said this so well, but it is that we all have our own path. And there, there is like no judgment and it is like you do the work and you listen to teachers and you decide what works for you and what doesn't, and you find your own path. Yeah. Like that really is what it is. So that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So good. Total magic. Um, people for people who listened and want to find and access more of you, what's the best place to do that? Yeah. Well, my website is Anna Verzoni, A-N-A-V-E-R-Z-O-N-E.com. But uh, easier to spell, you could go to rebelbuddhist.com and that'll send you to a place where you can download some awesome resources and whatnot. So either of those is good. AnnaVerzoni.com or rebelbuddhist.com or the podcast, of course. Yeah. Yay. And we'll link up to all those, but for the people who like to run. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to like and delighted to just add this to the bank of resources for people I know it's going to be amazing okay it's great to have this conversation until next week thanks for listening and as always please consider sharing rating and reviewing this podcast it helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion 
If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.